Longhorn Nation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is back, folks. Oh, yes. Oh, Christ. We're back. Welcome back to another episode of the Fire Steve Sarkeesian Podcast, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined today by Noah. And much like last week, let's just jump straight on into today's episode with a voicemail. Hi, um, I'm Seth from Harlingen, Texas. You know, South Texas, real rule. Um, you know, a bunch of Mexicans down here, and dude, it's 10:43, and and you know, say what you want about hot takes, bro, but it's 10:43, and nothing has changed, dude. I'm sitting in my car because I was legit in tears at work because, dude, this is the same program we've seen for the past. I don't even know. It's been a decade now since we've been relevant, dude, and I'm just sick and tired of it, dude. Like, why do we keep buying it? It's snake oil salesman, dude. Like, what is it? Is it culture? Is it money? Dude, every single post is ends up being the same fucking scenario, dude. Just win. Just win, dude. Just win. Fuck. Love the passion, Seth, but I know you called back for one more. Let's get the rest of your thoughts on that Arkansas game. Hi, um, I'm Seth from Harlingen again. Yo, I'm so sorry for what I said earlier. I was really emotional. But, um, again, kind of just to reiterate, um, it's just, it's really hard, you know, like, dude, I've had such a passion for this program for, like, somewhat of a decade, dude, and, like, most of my life, I've, I've represented the orange and white to its fullest, and, dude, I, I had to cheer my eye the first time I got to the stand at DKR, dude, and, it's in the eyes of Texas, but dude, this passion that I had is just do week in and week out. It gets stamped out by different coaches and different staffs that keep failing this fucking this lie that people are buying into the program when they're obviously fucking not, dude. It's the same thing. Like, why? What, what are we gonna do to get out of this rut? What, like, dude? What is it like? And losing is okay. It is. Don't get me wrong. Losing to a Power 5 opponent is okay. It's acceptable. And you know what? On some, on some levels, it's, 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 it's predicted because it's a, it's a new coach and a new system, and that's fine. You know, a, a six-point loss, three-point loss, no one's looking at a sideways dude, but 20 fucking points, dude. Your team looks like a deer in fucking headlights. Fuck, dude. For what? For fucking what, dude? We're Texas, and we haven't acted like it for over a fucking decade. And what makes you think that that a year changes shit? Well, it should. It should if you're the guy that's supposed to fucking turn the ship around. Holy fuck, dude! And I get it. It's only two weeks, and I get it. I get it. But dude, I wanted to I wanted to sip this Kool Aid like everybody else, but I can't believe in Sarkeesian, especially not after 20 points, dude. It's gonna be hard. I don't even want to watch the Rice game next week, and I know we're gonna win. But uh, we might not even win because we're fucking Texas. That's the shit we do, dude, on a yearly basis. Since 2009, when Colt McCoy got injured, dude, it's been the same. It's been the exact same. And I'm so sorry I got a little emotional at the beginning, and I'm getting a little emotional now. But again, dude, I don't even like watching football on Saturdays and Sundays anymore, dude. And that's all I would do on a daily basis because I was so excited to see my Longhorns wear orange and represent what I believe in my heart was Texas fight, when that hasn't been the case for over a decade. For over a decade, dude. And it's just a meme. It's a meme for me to walk out of my house and burn orange and white, dude. It's a meme because people see me and they associate me with that Texas program because that's what I've projected for the longest time and I defended it till my face was blue. 
But 20 points to Arkansas, dude? Shit, it should have been more. Fuck, dude, what has to change in this program? In your opinion, what has to change in this program? I'm sorry. Thank you. Fuck them. All right. Yeah, Seth, I feel you, man. I uh, I think we all feel you a little bit there. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty reflective of the level of frustration that just about everyone in Longhorn Nation, all Longhorn fans were feeling after that game because – and I, I think some of that's a side of effect from that Louisiana game. You spend all offseason getting told how we were going to lose to Louisiana and we come out and look very impressive and very, very organized, very disciplined against Louisiana – and none of that seemed to happen against Arkansas. We looked like a completely different team, and we didn't even look like the 2020 Texas team. We didn't look like 2019 Texas team. A lot of that felt all too familiar going all the way back to 2014 to 2016 with the Charlie Strong years. Just a team that looked wildly unprepared. There was almost nothing that Texas did correctly in that game, and it it basically has everyone super upset and at each other's throats and that's never a positive thing uh to see this community just going at it like that it was it was not good (laughs) but the you know i feel it kind of just sucks for everybody right obviously fans that have been around for a long time are right to feel frustrated and right to feel like you know a sense of deja vu but then like there are all the players getting on twitter afterwards and they're all like one loss doesn't define us or like getting back to the lab and like all these different things. And, you know, for these players, it's some of them were there in 2018 where we had just a terrible loss to Maryland. It was probably just as frustrating as this game. Uh, But then, you know, they did turn around and they went on, they won the sugar bowl. Uh, So it's like some of those guys are still here. Some of them weren't even here for that, that, you know, it might be Hayden Connor first year on campus where you had no part in any of the previous failures, but it's just kind of tough. For everybody it's not this isn't a spot that anybody likes to be in certainly not the players or coaches but you know that's where we're all at that's kind of the hand that we've been dealt or hand that we've developed for ourselves <laughs> i should say but it was yeah kind of kind of poor performance all the way around and you know like you said last the lack of preparation showed i'll put it that way and i was really drinking the kool-aid this past week because last week we looked great in terms of coaching we looked super well prepared we looked well coached in all three phases of the games we weren't committing mental errors uh we were clearly the team that knew what it was doing uh, knew what it wanted to do and then did exactly that um i was really drinking the kool-aid personally on offense i was thinking you know i bet we can average 30 over the course of of conference play so yeah certainly a, a big fall from grace there in the span of about three hours although really even before that 30 minutes <laughs> yeah it, it was a hard hard crash back to reality yeah everyone was sort of going along with the all gas no breaks louisiana comes along we're all little sort of oh not sure what's going to happen here uh and then things are great and, and everyone's flying high and then yeah to, to get smacked back to reality uh by arkansas hurts um it especially hurts because it is a historical rival even if they haven't been necessarily as present as they they have in the past it was an emotional game it was a team that texas fans are are used to to beating the the older texas fans are used to beating the younger fans have just known them as sort of a doormat in a lot of games for texas and they were anything but in this game i mean for all the things that we did wrong you got to give arkansas a shitload of credit like they they played really well they were prepared 
any of the little issues that you saw last week, any of the little hiccups that we had, Hudson Card not being able to hit a deep throw, Tux had pointed out during the Louisiana game to me, uh, sort of the pattern to our run, run, pass sort of approach. Uh, they didn't let Hudson Card capitalize on third down like Louisiana did. Even when Louisiana could get us into those third and long situations, uh, Jordan Whittington would come through. They they did a good job containing Jordan Whittington. Also, Whittington had some bad drops in there that didn't help either. It it was just the 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 things that we did wrong last week, the mistakes we made last week and still overcame, ended up being more glaring issues. And the things we did well last week either didn't happen at all or just didn't go well this week. It was basically what we saw was a, a perfect foil of what happened the week prior. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Um, and, you know, we can kind of go through this in a lot more detail, but I'll start with the thing that was the most surprising to me, and that was our early unpreparedness on defense. Because I'm sure we're going to get more into us and card in the offense. But I was there... I, so I was in Fayetteville this weekend, and the thing that just kind of blew my mind was that we were not prepared for whenever Arkansas did anything except line up with two guys in the backfield and run at us. Uh, like whenever they showed any other look, at least for the first quarter, you know, there was there was a play really early on where they put the running back out wide, and then Luke Brockermeyer goes chasing after the running back. So Luke Brockermeyer standing there on the sideline. And then KJ Jefferson just runs it up for the, up the middle for like 25 yards because your middle linebacker's on the sideline. <laughs> like he's not there to stop the run, so that just opens up a lane. And that happened a couple times with like Overshone chasing chasing a running back to the outside, which after watching Overshone against Deuce Vaughn, if you're Pete Kukowski, I have no idea why you consider to be the, that to be an option moving forward. Brockermeyer lined up outside a couple times. And it was clear that they weren't exactly sure what they were supposed to be doing because you can, you know, you could see the players like looking at the sideline, looking to each other, doing the thing where they're like tapping their helmets, trying to figure out what's going on. And so that was pretty shocking because our defense is pretty veteran um, and it's a new system. But Pete Kwiatkowski is, you know, a pretty well-respected defensive coordinator. By the way, PK, sorry about snapping that streak of holding opponents under thirty straight or under thirty points for six years or no, I think it was more like three years, but. Yeah, welcome to Texas. Took you two games, but, you know, maybe you can start a new streak now. But, yeah, so I'm not sure how that came across on the broadcast, but it was pretty worrying for me to see our defense be so out of sync. Like, I, I thought that, that first half they held up decently well. It, it was a lot of bend but don't break stuff. They were tightening up in the red zone. I mean, 16-0 at halftime, giving up three field goals. If it wasn't for the defense playing okay, in the first half, it, it could have been a lot worse than it was come halftime. But yeah, that, that second half, it, it seemed like it all just sort of went off the rails. Any semblance of control that Texas's defense had on Arkansas's offense in the first half basically went straight out the window, and it, it didn't really get any better from there. Yeah, definitely, definitely jarring. Definitely an area after last week. It seemed like Texas's missed tackles outside of the one touchdown or whatever that Louisiana had. Texas really didn't have any missed tackles last week. Had every single missed tackle, it felt like, in that second half. It was, yeah, not not the best showing. Hopefully a a big wake-up call for the defense, a big wake-up call for Pete Kwiatkowski to see where, where, where we're falling short defensively where where guys aren't getting it I, I'm hoping it's not an issue of complexity but 
rather just not just not prepared for what Arkansas was going to do rather than not understanding their own scheme. I can't say that I'm smart enough or understand football well enough to differentiate between it just being Arkansas doing something they didn't anticipate and just not knowing how to do our own stuff well. But it's worrying at, at the absolute least, especially with the quarterback issues that we saw if we can't rely on the defense to at least keep us in the games to hopefully let a guy like Hudson Card or Casey Thompson now settle in, that this season becomes a lot more dangerous and a lot harder to uh, have too many positive expectations about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that with those those expectations, I think that's something everybody, at least I know myself, would fall back on when previewing this season, right? Because it, it was a big question as to what we were going to be able to do. What was this team ceiling? What was its floor? What can we expect? A good fallback point has always been, well, we have PK. You know, he'll take care of the defense. Beat Kukowski. Sark has never won more than eight games as a head coach. He's never won a conference. He's never won a national title. Granted, he hasn't been in good situations, whether that's taking over a 0-12 UW team or situations that he put himself in at USC. Uh, he hasn't been in, he hasn't had a real chance to actually go do that yet also with the sanctions at USC. But it's a different skill set, right? So the idea is always, well, what is that minimum we can expect? And I think the minimum was at least a good defense, which good defenses don't give up 333 yards rushing. And, you know, they were gassed in the second half, but I thought in the first half there were chances for them to get off the field earlier than they did that they weren't able to actually convert on. So I, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to follow the Nick Saban model and you're going to hold guys to a certain standard and it's going to be all about the process and, even when you're beating Mercer 183 to seven, you're still going to get mad at them. Then I think the defense still has a long way to go following that mindset, right? You don't get, they don't get excused because of a poor showing by the offense. And, you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to pick on a guy, but I'll just wrap up my complaints with the defense. Just looking at BJ Foster really quick, because a, he had like the best play of the game by any Texas player. The interception on KJ Jefferson was great. And it was exactly what we needed. You know, we were down big, the game was slipping away. We needed something to turn the momentum. We needed to get the ball back, and BJ made a play. But something my friend pointed out to me when that happened was, man, we got really lucky uh, because BJ nearly blew that. He made a play on the ball. He took a risk, and it worked out for him, which is fantastic. You know, But if there was a double move or if the QB had floated over him, like that's a touchdown. There was nobody behind him. He was the deep guy, <laughs> and he risked it to, to get the interception. And that's great, but my complaint is that then if you watch BJ Foster the rest of the game, you'll notice him just continually going for those big plays. Like he completely abandoned the fundamentals. Uh, There was a play, one of the big touchdown runs, like BJ's chasing the guy down. He makes contact at the five. At that point, you're just trying to stop the guy from getting in the end zone. You're trying to save four points. But BJ instead is just ripping on the ball. He's not really putting his shoulder into it. He's not trying to get the guy down. He's just going for the fumble. And so the guy drags him five yards into the end zone. And that reminded me of 2018, uh, Oklahoma State. Taylor Cornelius, game-winning run. B.J. Foster is there a yard away, but doesn't actually hit Cornelius at the goal line and just kind of gives up on the play. I'm not sure. It felt like the defense kind of quit or they felt like they, you know, maybe they tried too hard. I know there was another play where B.J. and another guy were both going for the strip and they ended up getting dragged for like five yards. So who knows what their psychology is, especially being that tired. And, you know, eventually you're playing in a game that you know you can't win. Uh, even with the offense doing a little bit better under Casey Thompson. But I don't know. I guess it's just some of those things stuck out to me as things to watch moving forward that I previously hadn't expected to have to watch. Yeah, pretty good breakdown, I I think, of the issues on the defensive side of the ball. I guess we'll we'll move over to the offensive side of the ball 
probably easiest to just jump straight into what everyone has been talking about this week. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian announced on Monday that Casey Thompson will be the starter for Rice. Hudson Card, uh, for all the good things that he did during his debut against Louisiana, did not do those things well against Arkansas. It was a rough wake-up call for the redshirt freshman. I don't know if it was just the environment, the atmosphere, what what exactly it was that led to Hudson showing none of the poise or the calm demeanor that made him so successful on third downs, especially against Louisiana. But he did at no point in that game while he was playing basically the first, what, two and a half quarters or whatever, did he look anywhere near comfortable. And it was very frustrating for all the talk about how close the quarterbacks were through fall camp, through how much Sark has talked about how both guys are going to play, how much it seems like Sark was just going to stick to the script that we did against Louisiana, and Casey was just never going to come in until midway through the third quarter and take it the rest of the way when it seemed like going into halftime that maybe then was the time we everyone knew okay Hudson is not in it his his head is not there he's either completely thrown off by the environment he's just rattled whatever it is whatever the cause of it was uh, and not to place blame on card for for being rattled in that situation I mean it's a hard situation to come into his red shirt his red shirt year his true freshman year was the COVID season. His experience on the road was with 20% full stadiums. He never, even on the bench, got to see a true hostile environment. He got a rude awakening walking into the the stadium in, in Fayetteville on Saturday. And I think a lot of people on TV saw that. I'm sure you could tell from the stands since you were actually there, but a little bit frustrating that we didn't turn to Casey Thompson earlier just to find something it, it seems like by the time we turned turned to Casey Thompson the game was already out of reach there was no oh this is what's going to get us back in it it was maybe we can get some points and look semi-respectable on offense when really that that card should have been played pun not intended that's something we should have done significantly mm-hmm. earlier I that's it is the exact same sentiment we had in the stands because it was kind of the big you know as we started winding down the second quarter and then it became clear okay we're gonna get shut out in the first half it was the big thing we were talking about. And it, it, this is really my first complaint about the way that Sark has handled the QB battle. Because, you know, we're not there in practice. We're not trying to say, oh, he should have started Casey, whatever. Not even saying that he should have started him for this road, for this road game. Uh, I think that's a great point about not playing in full stadiums or even seeing full stadiums uh, last year for Card. But, you know, we're not in the room where it happened. So I'm not going to complain about the decision-making process that was made in that room. However, in that stadium, if you want to game theory it a little bit, there, there are really two things that'll happen whenever you come out of halftime. Either you crawl your way back into it or you don't. And so if your decision is to continue card, and that could be for whatever reason, you know, maybe Sark is like, this is my guy. I'm going to trust him. I know he's young. This is growing pains. We're going to put him back in there and see if it clicks, you know, because players will have those breakthrough moments sometimes. But again, back to the game theory, there's either, there's, there's two options. Either you get closer or you don't. And so if, as you've been saying all week long, you're going to play both quarterbacks, like they're both getting playing time, you have packages for them, you've installed both of them, then it doesn't make any sense to not start the third quarter with Casey Thompson. Because if you start the third quarter with Hudson Card and option A happens and you do come back, you're not going to take out a hot Hudson Card as your team is starting out of comeback just in order to put Casey Thompson in there. 
But then in that scenario B, which is what actually happened, if you take a card back out there and then you don't get closer, then you're screwing over Casey Thompson. By the time Casey got to come in, the game was over. You know, you're just making his job harder for him through no fault of his own, which is pretty unfair to the guy that has, you know, been engaged for three years now all through camp, participating in the, the QB battle, and that you've told you're going to keep him engaged. So, I don't know, That's that was my criticism of the reason to not switch it you know there, there's never any guarantee which option is better and at the end of the day you got to choose whatever you think is going to help you win that game at least that's what you should be <laughs> that should be your decision making but yeah and i you know i respect casey going out after the game putting that instagram story or whatever with the bible quote about your time shall come i you know it felt like to me he was kind of like putting sark on notice like hey i've been doing good it's my time i'm i'm what is it? i'm reaping now Kind of saying that that's how it was going to be. And, and not to take anything away from Casey, because, I mean, he, he can only play with the, the hand he's dealt. But it, it's to, to not put him in until a game is effectively out of reach also does a, a big disservice to Casey, not just making his job harder, but also making it way more difficult to actually evaluate what he's capable of. By that point, you're talking about an Arkansas team that's just like, yeah, if they score, whatever, make them take a little bit of time off the clock. We're just trying to go home without anyone getting hurt. A lot of softer coverages, a lot of more vanilla defenses. We're not doing anything nearly as complicated. It, it was just a lot more base stuff. And you're, you're not giving Casey an opportunity to actually show what he's capable of when the other team is still giving a shit. Like, at that point in the game, yeah, Casey looked significantly more decisive, was making good decisions to run the ball instead of hanging on to it. He looked like a more experienced player. But you end up getting stuck in this vicious circle of, well, he did that, but was that just because Arkansas was making it more obvious? Because, hey, we're we're so far ahead, there's no reason to overcomplicate it. Just sit back and don't let them bomb it over your head basically was the entire game plan from the second Casey Thompson came in. So it, it makes it extremely difficult and honestly unfair to Casey Thompson because you, you put him into this cycle like we've seen already this week on social media where everyone's discounting what he did and saying, oh, well, what he did actually doesn't matter because like the, the defense was soft. And there's no way to argue, well, he would have been just as good earlier in the game we have no idea we can't we can't actually make that argument because we never got to see Casey in a do or die sort of situation during that game so it's hard to really evaluate where those two quarterbacks are when you're comparing apples to oranges and I think that's unfortunate for Casey but obviously getting the start this weekend against Rice so he'll, he'll get a chance to show what he's capable of when he is been looked at as the guy for the week mm-hmm I will say that my view from the nosebleeds was there was a pretty noticeable difference in the offense when he came in. And I think a lot of it was just, you know, what you're talking about. And it's not just a decision to run because uh, it's not like he brought this new element of scrambling that Hudson didn't have. It's just he made a decision. You know, sometimes you can't just sit there and think. It's the analysis paralysis concept. You can't just sit there and wait for something to open up. That's what it felt like Hudson was doing a lot of time is, you know, he, they mo- they bo- both might scramble to their right. And then Hudson's just kind of doing the Peyton Manning where you're running along the <laughs> line of scrimmage, waiting for the defender to come up and force you to throw. And then hopefully somebody gets open. But, you know, our receivers weren't doing that for him. Again, not exactly his fault. Whereas Casey's like, okay, I'm either getting the ball out or I'm going. So he brought a sense of urgency. It felt like he was playing every snap for his job, which he was. You know, I think that's what the offense needed. Maybe it's going to continue to need. For me, like, you know, everybody has their take on Twitter right now. And people are saying, well, 
it's just the offensive line is bad, so we need a guy that can scramble. Well, I mean, we heard all offseason how Hudson was the better athlete, so I don't think it's that. I think it's just we need somebody that's going to pull a trigger, whether it's the right run or not. And it was kind of funny. I'll try to make this my last thing on the quarterback battle, but it was it was kind of funny that I felt like you could see all the offseason practice reports show through during the game. Uh, like as soon as Casey came in, you know, yeah, you, you saw some dump-offs to the running back, but they were the right decisions, so he, he dumped it off. <laughs> uh, and then... Um, everybody talks about Hudson Card's like arm talent and all these different arm angles he's using. And yeah, you saw the arm talent. And on some of these scrambles, you know, he was using different arm angles, but that doesn't really matter if the ball's not getting out of your hand on time. And if it's not going, you know, if you're not moving the football and scoring points, none of that matters. So it was, it was kind of funny that you could actually see everything, but that just the way that translated to navigating and moving the offense you know, it was just very different between the two, obviously. But I will, I will say as my my final take, Casey Thompson. I don't think he wins that game either if he's starting. Uh, so I don't, I don't think we need to have that debate or really engage in that because it's just all around unproductive. And our off, our problems on offense were much deeper than the quarterback. You you mentioned the receivers didn't seem like they were doing a whole lot to help the situation. The offensive line could not get a push to save their lives. I think it's something of a miracle that Bijan ended up with as many yards as he did. But yeah, a, a rough game for the offense all around. And and just to sort of support what you said, I think we, we had talked about it like with fan perspective uh, during the offseason is, is Casey Thompson and Hudson Card don't bring anything really vastly different as far as their athletic ability to the game they both have at a minimum good arm talent and good athleticism both of them share that they can scramble around they can extend plays and they can make just about any throw you need them to make where the difference comes in is Casey simply by way of having been on campus and been part of a college football program for three years as opposed to Hudson Cards one his in-game decision making even with the limited amount of time that he has played meaningful snaps at Texas is going to be better. He's going to be able to process things faster. He's going to make those decisions faster. And I think like you talked about paralysis by analysis for Hudson card, Casey Thompson, more decisive. I think that all just comes down to experience. And if you're going to have the issues with the receivers, like we did against Arkansas with the offensive line that we saw this weekend, you want the guy with more experience who is just going to put his foot in the ground and do something not just think, just play more football. Hudson Card, I think we talked about as well, insanely high ceiling. I think just about everyone's in agreement. His ceiling is significantly higher than Casey Thompson's. But Hudson Card being the future of this Texas football program does not mean Casey Thompson is not the present. Just because Hudson Card will be better in two years, three years, does not mean Casey Thompson is not the better choice right now obviously we need to actually see that bear fruit when Casey gets to be the guy for a week two weeks who knows how long he ends up being the starter it it might just be something where Hudson Card needs more time he just needs more time in the oven to let the game slow down even more because he just seemed rattled and maybe it was the atmosphere who knows but at that point if that's the situation that we're going to going to be in, and I don't want to accuse Hudson Card of being mentally weak or anything, because that was a, at least from what I could tell on TV, that was a crazy atmosphere. That was a wild stadium. It would be easy to understand why someone would get a little, the, the moment would be a little bit too big for him, especially at such a young age. But I've completely lost where I'm going with this point. But yeah, end result, I, I think Casey Thompson's experience is, is the difference here. And if we're going to continue to see these issues, we need to ride with that experience 
and not blow apart Hudson Card's confidence by putting him into situations where he needs to play, feel like he needs to play hero ball to make up for his offensive line or his wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And in the day, I also, I, I still kind of feel like either guy can lead us to a successful year this year. You know, that's not going to happen if Card plays the way he did on Saturday every week, but I don't think he will play that way every week. I thought he looked really, really good in week one. But what's ultimately going to need to happen is our offensive line is going to have to get better at run blocking. I, you know, I was really hoping that we'd see some Hayden Connor and Andre Karich last week. A little disappointed that we didn't, but yeah, whether it's through tinkering or just through coaching them up, Kyle Flood's got his work cut out for him, and we're going to have to see improvement there. And then the deep passing game is going to have to connect. Uh, the, the Sarks offense, that's what, that's what takes it from being average to actually being good is the way that he's able to get guys open downfield. And we had plenty of shots on Saturday. It's not like Arkansas just completely shut us down. Card had some guys that he missed downfield uh, just in terms of looks and not being able to get the ball out, whether it's because he was running and trying to figure it out. There was one play in particular. I couldn't Watching it live, I couldn't tell why he didn't just release the ball because I thought that he was he was running to his right and the guy was drifting right, like pretty far, I don't know, 20 yards downfield. Um, so you should be able to make that throw. But I think in watching the replay, he was a little bit nervous about pressure coming from behind him. This deep pass in the end zone to Jordan Winnington, probably he could have laid off of it a little bit. Although I still think that if you're an elite wide receiver one at the collegiate level, you make that play. You know, I think Marvin Mims make that play. And I think that C.D. Lambs would have made that. You know, I think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson make that play. And Justin Ross, I think it was from Clemson. And then all the Alabama wide receivers. I think all the... So those guys make that play. Maybe not every time, but I think you get my point. And then I think if you're just an adequate wide receiver on a collegiate level, you make the other uh, drops that Whittington, or you make the other catches that Whittington dropped. The problems are multifaceted. Sark is going to be earning his money or not this season. It was also a little bit disappointing that his game plan seemed really limited. I don't know the best way to put that. It's hard to really get into the deep parts of your playbook whenever you're not able to get a drive going. You know, it's hard to get in a rhythm as a play caller if you're going three and out consistently like we were in the first half. A lot of it is based on feel, and I think a lot of guys like feeling comfortable before they really get like into the flow. You know, I think we talked last week after Louisiana, like, oh, he didn't even show that much, so we expected to see more, but this game it felt like he showed even less. And then like the plays where we needed a big play was like a screen to Juan Davis and like an inside screen to Jordan Weddington that Denzel Okafor mixed miss like totally with the block on so those were kind of disheartening moments for me personally <laughs> i mean we can we can sit here for another half hour just going through every little thing that bugged the shit out of us because there was no shortage of bluntly failures uh, by this texas football team this past weekend but we do have another game the sun continues to rise as iffy as it seemed on Saturday night. But we do have another game. Got Rice. The Rice Owls coming to town. Got a little bit of overlap here. Obviously, we had just played Arkansas last week. Arkansas played Rice the week before. It was a close game for the Razorbacks until into the fourth quarter in week one against Rice. However, Rice just got blown out by Houston, and we're back home in Austin. So I guess the expectations at this point are, I think it's fair to say that week one for Arkansas against Rice was a look-ahead game, a situation where their focus was not on Rice like it probably should have been. It was more focused on week two against Texas, uh, which is clearly not a focus that we shared. We did not treat them with the same level of respect as they treated our game. Obviously, the transitive property 
has never been really helpful in college football. So I don't think that you can necessarily say that we're in deep trouble against Rice. I would still expect things to be a relatively comfortable win. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what changes do come out of this game. What what Texas shows that's different than what they wheeled out against Louisiana and Arkansas. Because even though it was game two, and in general you're not trying to do wholesale changes... There needs to be some tinkering done. This is far from a finished product. There's a lot of things that need to get repaired. And there's a lot of things that need bigger swings than simply little nitpicky stuff. I think this is a good opportunity for Texas and for the coaching staff especially to show what form those changes are going to take. What what the what the steps are going to be that are that's going to correct the trajectory that we're on early on in Sark's tenure. I think it starts with playing more physical. Uh, Arkansas is a lot more physical than us on both sides of the line. And whenever you're playing a team like Rice, which is going to have, they can't match us on the lines, I'm expecting us to come out and just dominate up front on both sides. You know, or I'm, I'm at least hoping to. That that would be, I think, my number one thing to establish this week. You know, as much as we talk about the quarterbacks and wide receivers and defense preparation, if you're consistently just getting it taken to you and getting punched in the mouth, then you're not going to win a whole lot of football games. So come out. Establish that against Rice. Be dominant up front. Doesn't necessarily even have to be dominant in terms of performance, uh, but at least in terms of aggression and looking for work. That's where I'm starting. I think at this point, I I really just want to see... I, I want to see this team play angry. I want to see them really show on the field, like, hey, last week was not us. We expect better of, our, of ourselves. Here's everything. Here, here's just a, a different gear of effort that we're going to put in to show that that is an aberration. I want them to prove that so many of those issues we saw are the outliers here. Because right now you have a lot of Texas fans melting down going, oh, shit, we... We have another Herman. We have another Charlie where this is who they are. Come out against Rice. Be consistent. Be dominant. Be convincing. And prove that, or at least start to prove as much as you can with small sample size, that that Arkansas game is not acceptable. That's not going to be the norm. That's not going to be what Sark and this Texas offense and this Texas defense are about every week. Prove that Arkansas was the aberration, not Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, you got to, right, at this point, it's all about building this season back together one win at a time. Uh, And you don't get to control who you're playing, but you get to control how you play them. So, you know, whether it's Rice and then Tech the week after, uh, you got to go out there and you just got to show your best. And I, I, it's fine to have limitations, right? Like Denzel for whiffing on the Jordan Whittington screen. At some point, you got to say, okay, a player just can't do that. And it's fine to miss on those limitations. But things that are within your control, you shouldn't be giving up 330 yards rushing. You shouldn't be letting KJ Jefferson beat you deep if you're Deshaun Jameson. You shouldn't be getting your stuff pushed in consistently on either side of the line. Even if it is an SEC team, that was a three and seven SEC team last year. Come on, guys, uh, we're SEC now. But yeah, go out there and start to win it back. Just just one week at a time. Winning is hard. All of our goals are still on the table. Yada yada yada. Uh, but you know, even this last week, my prediction for the season hadn't really changed. It was still at nine and three. Uh, it's just that you know, I think that we're all a bit spooked by the earliness of the wake up call that we just experienced. Yeah, and. I, I can't remember at this point now that it's been 
like 40 minutes since we listened to Seth's voicemail. I don't remember if he brought it up or if I just am remembering the talk about it online, but I don't think anyone was necessarily upset that we lost. It was just that manner in which we lost. If it ended up being, okay, we lost a three-point game to Arkansas. Yeah, the offense had some issues. Yeah, the defense had some issues, but it was a close game. I think the hurt feelings would have been a lot easier to bear instead of the complete and utter meltdown that we had both on the field and subsequently everywhere else after the game or really after the first quarter of the first of that game. I mean, even under Herman, we never got blown out. So it's it's been a long time since we have been hit that way. Yeah, we just we just need it to not be like Charlie. We need it to be a bounce back where we get hit in the mouth in a game and we respond to it positively. We don't let that game snowball during future games, especially with the next two games we have. Rice and Tech should be games where you can sort of, you know what, crack your neck. Here we go. You took the punch. You got took it square in the nose. All right, time to get up. Time to keep fighting. And on to the next one. You got a couple warm-up games here before Oklahoma. And then you really get into the heart of that Big 12 schedule. These, these are the games to get that stuff sort of figured out so that what you wheel out against Oklahoma is not going to be setting up for a Mac Brown-style beatdown by the Sooners. It's kind of funny you... You bring up Charlie because earlier you were mentioning, you know, older Longhorn fans just are used to beating Arkansas and then there was just the one off bowl game and it's easier for us to write off that bowl game because we're like, oh, that was Charlie Strong. Uh, we just got blown out because it was Charlie Strong as our coach, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, here we are. We just got Charlie Stronged by Arkansas again. But I do have some good news. It has nothing to do with the season. But I am happy to report that I'm actually looking forward to uh, going back to Arkansas sometimes, to Fayetteville. Vietnam was not so bad. You hear a lot of bad things online, but we really didn't have any issues, so I think it'll be a fun road trip in the future. What, what was your opinion of just dealing with Arkansas fans? I've heard that can be a hit-or-miss experience. They really weren't so bad. I thought that they were the right amount of nasty, because every fan base needs a little bit of that, right? You can't go over the top. You can't be fighting people. You can't be pushing over elderly people on the streets, but you know we're a group of like six 25 year oldish guys, so sure, go ahead and heckle us some. We're the people that are supposed to be heckled. Really, the night the night before on Dixon Street was very friendly with Arkansas fans. There's a lot of Arkansas people that are from Texas. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people were like, yeah. And they also didn't expect to win, which I think helps. And they have not been, you know, much like us. They haven't been good in a while. So I think they knew that they weren't in a position to really say much. Even after the game, we had, you know, we had some people yell at us. But one of the guys was like, huh, you lost to Arkansas. <laughs> so, and you know, he was right. We did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Dixon Street was great. It's small and smaller than like Sixth or anything, but drinks are cheap. And uh, the parking was when it was really nice. There's actual places to park. What? That sounds like a lie. I know. I know. Anybody? Yeah, Sixth Street might not have you believing that it's possible to park within a city near bars, but no, it, it was. We got parking both nights. Like a two minute walk from the bars it was incredible. Hell, any college town that I've ever been in has not been that way. So I am frankly stunned that you were able to park anywhere near where you were trying to go in, in Arkansas. I mean, maybe this is just totally anecdotal, and I just, we just got really lucky twice in a row, but I was I was stunned too. I didn't quite believe it until until it happened. Uh, and then it was like five bucks for the night, so it was pretty good because you know, our Airbnb was, actually wasn't in Fayetteville. It was like half an hour away, but we were able to just drive there, park. Which, so parking was like absolutely necessary for us. There was never, <laughs> there was never really the Uber option because that's like a $50 
Uber both ways. But yeah, it was a good time. I highly recommend it for anybody else considering that future road trip. And you'll have plenty of opportunities beginning in the very near future, especially if Texas ends up in a division or a pod with Arkansas. Lots of opportunities to get to Fayetteville. I don't know what reviews would be like if we end up having to play in Little Rock, any of those uh, those games. But yeah, good to hear that you had a good experience. Yeah, that, that was never on my on my list of places to try and go. But given the conference change, it'll certainly be on my list of places to go, especially now that I know someone who had a good experience in Vietnam. Yeah, well, so I think the best way I can put it is my uh, is my boy Matt Myers from Texas Platinum. Uh, he was he was part of the group, and he's like, "Bro, Fayetteville's a movie." And <laughs> the first twenty four hours were it was a movie, but what we didn't realize is it was a horror movie. It was just the beginning fifteen minutes where everybody's happy before somebody jumps out with a knife and murders your mother or something. Yeah. So from about 6 p.m. Friday when we got in to about 6 p.m. on Saturday, it was uh, fantastic. It was it was going to be in the running for one of my better road trips. And then it very quickly went very downhill and continued to do so over the next 24 hours. Next time we're not bad, everybody should go. I'll, I'll put it that way. There you go. The official review from Noah is Fayetteville not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Hey, and you know what? Honestly, that's not even saying much because I had very low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it, but it, uh, you know, it's an accurate title for sure. All right. So, I mean, I think just in general, I think we're it, it's just not fun to do losing podcasts. So it, it makes it a little harder to get up for hot takes and predictions. But do, do you have anything for us for this rice game? All right. Give me give me a phase of the game and I'll give you a hot take like passing offense. Passing defense, rushing offense. Rushing offense, especially related to the offensive line. I want to say like, oh, Bijan's going to run for X yards, but that's easy. So let me put it this way. Our backup running backs combine for eight yards a carry. No, no, no. Our backup running backs combine for six yards a carry, and they look really good running behind Hayden Connor. There you go. What about a score prediction? Just say it from the heart. What's the score? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. Like 42 to 7. 42 to 7. Okay. That works. Why not? Um, I'm going to say Casey Thompson impresses, runs for a touchdown, throws for a couple more. Uh, No turnovers for the Texas offense. Texas defense misses significantly fewer tackles. I don't even want to know what number that looks like, but uh, significantly fewer. And I think Rod Babers said 20. 20 tackles. Okay. Let's say they they miss less than 10 in this game, Um, which is by itself not an impressive number, but it's better. But I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with 42, 42-21 Texas. Okay. What is your uh, over or under on the number of JFK references? Well, it'll be the Longhorn Network, so we'll be getting bashed to death by Lowell Galindo. So it won't surprise me if I lose count at any point during this entire thing. But I I, I remember actually being pleasantly surprised a couple years ago when we played Rice by how few times they brought it up like i i was expecting like in the teens or 20s and it felt like they only did it like four or five times honestly so i'm gonna i'm gonna put it probably in that same ballpark five times does jfk's moon speech get brought up and and by the way they they just announced i think it was just today it got announced that the rice mob the marching owl band 
who if you haven't seen Rice's marching band perform, it's like part marching band, part comedy routine, where they're just roasting everything they can possibly think of. The Rice mob will not be at DKR, which is nothing short of heartbreaking because they are high-level entertainment every time you get to see them. So that's some bullshit. I feel bad for anyone who is looking forward to seeing that go into that game, but you will not get to see the number one perk of playing Rice, and that is the mob. Yeah. Well, I've been watching this show about time travel, so I think that we might have to go back and change the JFK speech to why does Texas play Arkansas? I'll go back and give my, my boy Kennedy the heads up on that one. What I, I got to ask, what, 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 what is this show this. that you've been watching? Give the people a recommendation if you've been keeping up with it. Oh, okay, it's called Dark. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. Have you seen it? I, I know of Dark. I know it's German, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's they have an English dub if you want it. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's, uh, I don't know, kind of... You know, I, I won't say too much. Just if you're looking for something that's a little bit intense and has some time travel elements sent to it, it's a good one. He, okay, here's a good... We, we don't really do the, the getting to know you segments uh, like I think like Pretend We're Football does. Let, let's no. let's ask a deeply okay. personal question <laughs> of you, Noah. Sure, sure, sure. Are you okay. watching the dubbed version of Dark or are you reading the subtitles? Oh, no, no, no. I'm doing the sub the uh yeah the original german are you why, why do you ask yeah I, i'm not sure i believe i'm i'm watching you on video the people can't see your video i'm no, your I expression think... does not feel sincere to me <laughs> well it's be uh okay yeah no i i'm staying true to the art form i'm watching the german version it's okay fine i'll do it i'll out myself this is why i've had the facial expression that i do but you know i've been watching anime and stuff and so on that one i watched the original is because a lot of times there isn't a dubbed version available so it's not really a big transition just watch this with subtitles now so yeah that's i guess that's it there you go folks we we just wanted to ask if he was dubs or subtitles and noah has outed himself as a weeb jesus yeah and all of you you guys can't skip but you see in the in, in the corner of his room back there you can see multiple body pillows it's really alarming yeah i don't know how you didn't catch on sooner josh but uh yeah and now all of our listeners are weebs by extension so congrats y'all played yourselves um we're, but we're sorry i, I would have put a, a warning on the front of this if i knew this was coming <laughs> all right well thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the fire steve sarkeesian podcast like i said earlier bad games are way less fun to talk about on here we enjoy discussing it way less but you know it comes with the territory of being two clueless people with a podcast uh discussing things that we have very surface level understanding about so had to do it had to be done but we made it through otherwise off the podcast just today uh we surpassed a thousand followers on twitter so we're basically moving on up uh watch out i don't know who's got the most followers these days on twitter beebs but we're, we're on our way there. Go ahead and join the community. If you haven't already, follow us at, at the FSS Podcast, both on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to let us know your thoughts about the game, the coaching staff, the coaching staff or anything else for that matter, you can hit us up there or hit up the hot take line at 512-655-9038 and get Mike get to hear yourself on a future episode much like seth did this week uh we failed to say it before but thank you seth appreciate the passion and the energy and we could all feel that frustration no one no one faults you for that it's it's a it's a rough sort of existence that we have tied ourselves to whether willingly or unwillingly as texas fans so i appreciate you calling in being candid with your thoughts and feelings so hopefully that'll encourage others to do the same 
we will be back with another episode after the rice game this saturday so we hope all of us will be in a happier frame of mind because being on texas twitter and on texas internet has been a beating so far this week so yeah you got anything else for the people Noah? oh uh not really i guess i was about to say the one uh the one good thing about being stuck in the car in a very crowded car mind you on the way back from arkansas was that i was not able to fully engage with texas twitter and the uh the rest of the longhorn internet as much as i love all y'all uh it was probably good for me to <laughs> take a little break uh there but yeah you know hook them till i die yep until next time wait jesus i'm not dying next time no